the issue is actually quite serious because our restlessness eventually turns into anxiety and fear. This is the problem with being a restless people is that we start to be driven by fear. This is Timeless Truth Today, and I'm your host, Matt Williams. Welcome to part two of Disillusioned, Distracted, and Discontent from Pastor Paul Twist in Six Parts. This series is taken from Pastor Paul's teaching at a 2019 Sundays in July seminar held at Grace Community Church. In part one, Pastor made two observations about our culture. Number one, we are no longer citizens. And point number two, we are now consumers. Today, Pastor Paul will acquaint us with more observations, characteristics that will jar one's Christian worldview. The first of these is, we act out according to preference and authority. Consumerism is not simply about our spending habits, it's a worldview. Other observations coming up today are, we do not know the difference between a need and a want. We're not able to tell the difference. And observation number five, We are marked by restlessness, a serious issue because our restlessness eventually turns into anxiety and fear. Here's part two of Disillusioned, Distracted, and Discontent. Point number three, we act out according to preference and not authority. So a lot of these points overlap and are interconnected. One follows on from the other. Number three, we act according to preference and not authority. This is a direct derivative of the consumer age in which we live. Uh, Consumerism, as I said, is a way of life. It's a worldview. It's a way of thinking. It's not simply related to our shopping habits. Over time, as we have had become accustomed to having choices in the aisles, choices when we buy pickles, choices when we buy ice cream, we have started to look for choices in other areas of life. Consumerism is not simply speaking about our spending habits. It's a worldview. As we've become a people accustomed to having choice in the shopping aisles, we've started to search for choices in other areas of life, more foundational areas of life, areas of life that naturally would have previously resisted choice. Areas of life which in previous generations would not be up for discussion. By way of example, previous generations would have accepted that marriage was only ever defined as an exclusive union between one man and one woman for the benefit of the community. It didn't matter what you wanted. There was no choice available in that discussion. And now that's not the case. Now there are choices. There are options on the table. Similarly, going to the other end of that relationship, it wasn't that long ago where it was pretty difficult to get a divorce. Uh, Charles Dickens, I was reading recently, when he divorced his wife, had to write a public letter of explanation that was put in a national newspaper explaining the divorce. Uh, It was a scandal. Now, today, in all states, no-fault divorce is available such that you can pretty much end your marriage on demand. We have options. 
We want choices in more foundational areas of life. And we could go on and on. Perhaps the most pressing issue today is that of gender. It would have been inconceivable for me to stand here 20 years ago and say that you can choose whether you're a man or a woman. That was never a discussion. And now it's ludicrous for me to say you can't choose. Now, note carefully where the emphasis lies. The emphasis within this thing called consumerism does not lie on the object of the choice. The emphasis lies on the choosing. This is a really important point. Don't think that the emphasis is on the object of the choice. The emphasis lies in the act of choosing. So society doesn't care whether I identify as a man or a woman. What society cares about is that I have been allowed to make the choice. Society does not care whether you allow your baby to live or whether you have an abortion. The important thing is that you were allowed to express your preference. The emphasis is not on the object of the choice. It is on the act of choosing. And that's a very dangerous emphasis. Why is it a dangerous emphasis? When the emphasis is on the act of choosing, what that does eventually is it renders every single option as equally valid. Every option is equally valid. No one option is more valid than the other. And to put it a different way, what that means is that nobody is allowed to say that one option is more valid than the other. What that starts to do over time is it removes any sense of authority in society. Nobody has the voice to say this option is preferable, more valid than that option. It starts to rob society of any sense of authority. And we see this being played out by virtue of the fact the church is having an increasingly less smaller, more quiet voice in the public sphere. Because we would say that one choice is more valid than the other, but that's no longer allowed, so we don't get to speak into those conversations. So point three, we act according to preference and not authority. Point four... We do not know the difference between a need and a want. By substituting authority for preference, we blur the line between a need and a want, or if we put it another way, it has created in us an issue of discernment. We no longer are able to tell the difference. We get to enjoy things that previous generations were not able to enjoy. We are the most comfortable, richest people that have ever lived. Fact. As we look at our options and as we start to act according to preference, we flex our consumeristic muscles, we start to believe that because something is available and because we have a desire for it, therefore it must be a need. We very quickly start to believe that because something is available and because we have a desire for it, therefore it must be a need. And the line between a need and a want very quickly becomes blurred. And the outcome of that immediately is that we forfeit our contentment. Why? Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, if we have food and clothing, we will be content. It's worth meditating upon those words. If we have food and clothing, we will be content. When we make our wants into needs, we essentially change that truth. 
we change that verse. Paul says, if we have food and clothing, we'll be content. We say, if we have food, clothing, and, then we'll be content. When we blur that line between a need and a want, and the things that we want have now become needs, we say, if we have food and clothing and the new iPhone, then we'll be content. If we have food and clothing and a new kitchen, then I'll be content. If we have food and clothing and a new car, then I'll be content. You see, when you consider what Paul says to Timothy, you realize that contentment is readily available to just about everyone in this room. If we have food and clothing, then I'll be content. Contentment is available to all of us pretty readily. What we do by choice is we push it away. By changing that verse, by blurring the lie between a need and a want, we push our contentment away by saying, if we have food, clothing, and then I'll be content. We are continually forfeiting our contentment. And again, consumerism doesn't just pertain to our buying habits. It relates to every area of life. It's a fascinating thought, at least for me, to think about 100, maybe 200 years ago, if your name was Smith, you would have been a metal worker. You would have been a blacksmith, period. There would be no discussion. You would not be given a choice. And this is the important part. There would have been no sense of injustice about that. I think if you had been able to speak to the blacksmiths of that time, they would have not expressed any sense of discontentment. This was their lot in life, and that would be entirely appropriate. I uh, think about my previous pastor's dad. So when we were back in the UK, my pastor, he was nearing retirement. His dad had worked down the coal mines in Wales his whole life. He went down at the age of 14, and he went down the coal mines every day of his life until he retired in his 70s. Now, he had a lot of stories, for sure, but there was no sense of discontentment. There was no sense of injustice on his part. He might have expressed what he would have liked to have done with his life, but not out of resentment. That was what was given to him. He didn't have the choice, and that was A-OK. -okay. Now, again, I'm not necessarily saying it's a bad thing to be where we are. Uh, I'm grateful that I had options when I was thinking through jobs and career paths. I actually did some searching. Twist comes from twist, originally from the twist in a river, which meant I would have been a, a river worker of some sort. And I'm glad that my life hasn't been spent drudging up trash from the bottom of a river. I had options. But we have to understand that where we live today and, and, the, and the privileged position that we're in has consequences. We do not know the difference between a need and a want. And the immediate effect of blurring that line is to forfeit our contentment every single time. And number five, we are marked by a restlessness. I'm leaning here on an observation made by a man called Tocqueville, who some of you will know, Uh, he was a French politician who came to America in the 1800s. He could see that France was inevitably moving down the path of democracy. They were transitioning from being an aristocratic society to a democratic society. And so he said, we need to know about democracy. 
So I'm going to the world leaders in this. I'm going to go to America and see how democracy works. And he wrote a book that you can buy today called Democracy in America. It's a thriller. <laughs> uh, I recommend that you read it, or at least that you read portions of it, because what is fascinating is how many times Tocqueville observed a trajectory that has now come to pass. How many times he said. It seems to me the American people are wired in this way, and it will result in such and such, and that's exactly where we are today. One of his observations was that the Americans are a restless people. Now, how did he come to that conclusion? Any democracy, when it functions properly, functions according to the principles of freedom and equality. Freedom and equality. Now, they have to be held in balance. Tocqueville observed that the American people seemed to be more preoccupied with the freedom than the equality, and I would say if that was true back then in the 1800s, even more so today. Now, in a sense, it stands to reason.、Uh, America was a country that was founded as an experiment, in a sense, in classical liberalism. Classical liberalism was simply a thought system that said a man should be able to break free. From any external circumstances that have been imposed upon him, if he hasn't had a say in his circumstances, he should be able to break free from them. External circumstances imposed upon him at the core of the American ideal is an ability to break free from those circumstances. A bit like I was saying with the job example, and Thomas Jefferson was one that particularly championed this idea, and so it kind of took hold in the American mindset. And today. The truth is that we are a people who have become obsessed with the notion of freedom. There is a danger to this if we do not keep that sense of freedom in check, in moderation. Then the desire that we have to break free from externally imposed circumstances can be to our harm, can start to harm us. What happens eventually is that we become a people that want to break free from all and any circumstance, whether it be good or bad. We become a people who want to break free from every set of perceived external circumstances, without any consideration as to whether those circumstances are helping us. What that means is that we eventually become a restless people. Eventually, we become a people that are always searching for a better option. We are always looking for another new norm. We are always wanting to change things. Just because we look to them and establish a new norm, and we arrive at the new norm, we start to want to change that also.、Uh, we are a people who perpetually view our present circumstances as being restrictive or less than ideal. Going back to that example of the job, it's often said of millennials that they can't stay in any one job by the age of. Thirty, they'll have five or six jobs. They'll have had five or six jobs. They don't stick at anything for very long, and that they always think they're missing out on something. I'm not a huge fan about of talking about millennials in as if to say that their issues are unique to them. I really do think actually that characterizes all of society to a greater or lesser extent. I think as a society. We no longer demonstrate longevity in in a job or an occupation. 
as a society, we don't stick at anything for very long, and it's because we're restless. We're always searching for something better. We think that we're missing out. The issue is actually quite serious because our restlessness eventually turns into anxiety and fear. This is the problem with being a restless people: is that we start to be driven by fear. We are anxious, and we think that we're missing out on something. And of course, we understand that the Bible teaches that contentment and fear cannot go hand in hand. So we are marked by restlessness, which robs us of our contentment. Point number six: we have become escape artists. We have become escape artists. Where does this fear lead? Oftentimes, the fear that sits upon us as a society will lead towards escapism.、Uh, one way in which we cope with fear is to seek to escape, to seek to abandon. Now, this point perhaps is the point that is most aided by technological advances. Of all the points that I've made this morning, this one perhaps more than any. Has been aided by technological advancements, and again, I want to be crystal clear:、uh, I'm not saying that those advances in technology are inherently bad. I'm not saying that the internet is sinful or that cell phones are sinful. What I'm saying is we have to realise where we are and that there are consequences to the benefits that we enjoy. So, 100 years ago,、uh, the norm was to work six days a week. The norm was to work six days a week. You would have one day off, and that day would be labelled as recreation. And the words here are very, very important. Recreation, in its truest sense, means exactly what it sounds like to recreate. Recreation is to recreate. What does that mean? It means that on the man's one day off, he would seek, in a sense, to recreate himself. That is to recharge and refresh himself in preparation for going back into work on Monday morning. So you can see how, as a society, we used to be so much more focused on productivity, on producing, on on being workers. The one day off was focused on recreation to recreate the individual, so that they would be ready to enter back into the workplace on Monday. What would you do with your day of recreation? One thing that many many people would do would be to read a book. Now, why is that recreation? Why is that helpful to an individual to recharge? Because When you read a book, you are engaged in a creative work, a creative work that is not your labour. It's not your work, work Monday through Saturday. Nonetheless, it's a creative act. You pick up a a novel and you read the words that the author has written, and the author is inviting you to create that world in your mind. There's an element of imagination involved as you read the tales of Narnia and you read about. Peter and Lucy and Aslan, and you read long and lengthy descriptions of these individuals, and the author is inviting you to think upon what Peter looks like, and he's inviting you to picture Aslan in your head, and there is something energizing and refreshing about that creative act that comes about when you read a book. Fast forward about a hundred years, well, we now have two days off, maybe more.、Um, We no longer call it recreation. We now call it leisure, leisure. <laughs> the the word choice is very important. We've abandoned this term recreation. We no longer think about how do I best equip myself to go back into work on Monday morning. Leisure 
at its root, it's a Latin word, at its root simply has the connotation of permissiveness. When you're thinking about leisure, you're essentially asking the question, what am I allowed to do? What can I do? In a sense, you're saying, where are the boundaries? It's not considering about the refreshing and the recharging of the soul for work. At the same time, what we saw is a movement from the word-based culture to the image-based culture. So we are not a word-based society in the way that other societies have been. We are an image-based society. We communicate now primarily in images. The movie replaced the book. Have you ever wondered why the movie is never as satisfying as the book? It's never the case that you go to the movie and say, that was better than the book. Now, why is that? In part, it's because they just didn't do a good job at representing the plot line. In part, it's because they had to cut things out that you actually really enjoy. But the main reason is this. It's because you have been shut out from the creative act that the book invited you into. You show up to the movie and Peter and Lucy and Aslan have already been created. And you weren't consulted. You weren't asked to shape them. See, some people think it's because Peter doesn't look like the way I imagined him. That's not the reason. It's because you didn't even get a say in what he looked like. The movie robs you entirely of the creative act. And so you find it altogether unsatisfying. It doesn't fresh and refresh and prepare you to go out and do new things. It actually leaves you quite flat. Now, fast forward just a little bit more and we find ourselves in something of a, of, a, of a new age where there is now a creative act, but it's not concerning the characters in the story. It actually concerns you. The age in which we live is one where there is an emphasis on you being able to define and create yourself with zero consequences. So think about social media. This is the easiest example. You are allowed to project the image of yourself to the world, you get to define what they see of you with no questions asked. You get to publish or to post the image of yourself that you want the world to see. You're not defining the characters. You're not being left out of the creative act, but you're engaging in an altogether new creative act, one where you get to redefine yourself with very few consequences. And we could say the same about the, the gaming world. The games now are involving the person themselves defining themselves within this imaginary world. And the problem is that as you define yourself, you define yourself again with very few consequences. All risk has been removed. You now get to enjoy a form of life that is very, very uncomplicated. A form of life that doesn't actually represent real life. It doesn't represent all of the struggles that are truly there in your life. You are projecting an image of yourself that says, I've got all of this together. I don't know any struggles. You're listening to Timeless Truth Today. In his creation, God made mankind to be in community. In the beginning, shortly following the creation of Adam, God said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it is not good for man to be alone. Media has helped shape the prime virtue of American manhood as, quote, one of rugged individualism. Has this nurtured our relationships? 
it's not biblical. If you want to learn more about the need to be strengthened in Christ and a disciple maker, come to TimelessTruthToday.org. It's TimelessTruthToday.org. On the homepage, select Broadcasts, and there you'll find an archive of solid Bible teaching free for the listening. Timeless Truth Today is a teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Twist, a listener-supported outreach of Bethany Bible Church in Thousand Oaks, California. Sunday's almost here, and if you're not in a local church, we'll welcome you to worship with us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. The church is located at 200 West Bethany Court in Thousand Oaks. Join us tomorrow, part three in our new series, Disillusioned, Distracted, and Discontent. I'm Matt Williams. Thank you for listening to Timeless Truth Today. Today.